We have a lot of cool stuff planned for season three. Being proud of who you are no matter what you do. You definitely see the characters progress a lot more. They start growing up. And I think Ginger and Darren are endgame. It is a masterpiece of an episode. Oh, it's the cattiest moment in the history of television. Trust me, everybody has been excited for our thoughts on it. Who's the girl in the pink capri? It's Courtney! It's Courtney! Someone once told me the grass is much greener on the other side. Hello everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of We're In Between, the podcast that discusses about every single episode of As Told By Ginger once a week. Last week we discussed about the episode About Face, and this week we're going to be discussing about the third TV movie. Uh, we're going to be discussing about the episode Butterflies Are Free or No Turning Back. So right before we discuss about today's episode, we're going to be reading the comments from you guys from episodes 41 through 46. Uh, right now we're going to be reading off the comments. Uh, from the TV movie Far From Home or Fat Lose On Ice, depending on where you live. We're going to start things off with a comment from That Miss Quinn. And she says, I love this episode, but I do feel like some parts of the plot were insulting to the audience's intelligence. The roommate having a wig and looking just like the schoolmate Mipsy. It was believable without the fake identity. Also, your villains want to give you the greatest opportunity by paying your way for cool art school. We should all be so lucky to have these enemies. Also, it's a shame that Ginger doesn't keep her new hair. I definitely do agree. It would have been really cool to have Ginger keep her hair. But at this point in time, her red hair is iconic. So I guess they wouldn't have kept it for very long. Uh, we have another comment from Frosty, who says, Love this episode so much. Can't believe you guys have made it to season three. It's been so much fun listening so far, and I can't wait to see what you guys have in store. Trust me, Frosty, we have a lot of cool stuff in store. As for next episode, I can't, read to w I can't wait to read some of those comments. Trust me, neither can I. We have a comment from Evan Knave, who says, Casey and Patricia, thank you so much for reviewing this movie. You're welcome, Evan. This is one of my favorite As Told by Ginger TV movies, other than Butterflies Are Free. I loved how they showed the relationship between Courtney, Dodie, and Macy, and how Ginger was one of the main reasons that Courtney even gave those two the time of day. I definitely noticed the obsession that Courtney had over Ginger, whether it was giving her a blow-up doll of herself or wearing a shirt that had Ginger's picture on it. I thought it was very creepy. Even Dodie and Macy were starting to get a little annoyed. That definitely confirms my suspicions that Courtney does have a little crush on Ginger. I also loved how the movie took a closer look at Carl and Noelle's relationship and finally brought Darren and Ginger together. I was waiting for that to happen throughout the entire series so far. I loved how Miranda and Mipsy's schemes always backfires due to their obsessive jealousy towards Ginger. This movie might have been a bit unrealistic with the plot, but it had some very realistic moments. Finally, an episode where I don't hate Dodie. Anyway, great analysis, and I can't wait to watch your review of Wicked Game. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, so we have our next comment from uh, Trilliaz, who says, This episode is a special kind of good. This movie was very good. However, it's not the best episode of the series. 
I really don't like how Darren and Ginger are boyfriend and girlfriend and Dodie in the beginning of this episode. The movie is really good. Carl having a girlfriend named Noelle. For Dodie, uh, when my best friend named Shandala, sister from another mother, was having seizures, she had to go to a hospital for like a month. I thought that she wasn't going to make it. I know how Dodie feel, but I'm not jealous. Also, Miranda and Mipsy should be best friends. They both don't like Ginger. Noelle reminds me of the lady from The Incredibles. <laughs> oh, you're referring to... <laughs> you're referring to Edna Mode. <laughs> that's a pretty. That's actually pretty funny there, Traily ass. Uh, the next episode is a Spongebob You're Fired Bad. Oh, boy. All right. Finally, our last comment comes from Codebox42, who says, All right, season three, let's get ready for this. I will go out and say without spoilers that this is my least favorite season, with the next episode in particular being very scummy. I'll admit that I admire the changes it went through in terms of visual and character appeal, but everything else seemed to take a few steps backwards from what they were building up to. It also showcases the worst of Dodie's character. I know, I know, I've done my rant on her. However, as stated in past videos, there was a small side of her that can be somewhat supportive, with Lucy Nana Bishop being the one where she's really sympathetic. From her pettiness here, she loses everything and becomes even more popular-obsessed, shallow, and manipulative. But that's for a later episode. As for my thoughts here, I consider it to be a solid opener. I fe it feels like they were opening up a lot of things Season 2 took a break from or were just establishing. From the former, it's Miranda's schemes. While Miranda's nasty personality was shown in Trouble in Gal Pal Land, we never got a full sense of what she's made of since Season 1. Noelle is a great addition to the cast and will make Carl and Hoodsy's plot much more dynamic. And here it feels that they wanted to give Miranda a bigger antagonistic role than before. Ginger's decision on leaving is very realistic, as well as we struggle with the pressures of leaving and so on. Darren in particular has shown more growth and maturity. It's way better than the previous TV movies. And while I'm not a fan of season three, mainly for the second half, it did bring out the best in TV movies. Also, Courtney does a full development here. Starting with the episode onward, she completely shifts from her shallow tendencies and she shows more maturity, and this is where she becomes a lot of people's favorite characters. I really pity you guys for having to review the train wreck known as Wicked Game. That's all I have to say on that one. Thank you very much, Codebox42, for your long and in-depth comment. Now, okay, guys, now we can go over to episode 45, Wicked Game. Oh, boy. You guys did not skimp out. We have so many comments from you guys regarding about Wicked Game. And man, I don't even know where to start. Okay, I think we can start off with a comment from Cameron Biggs, who says, First off, what the hell? No wonder people hate this episode. Dodie and Macy had no reason to mess with Ginger's relationship with Darren. If my friends tried that on me, I would erase them from my life. I almost lost a friend in high school where this one girl, who was also one of her other friends, framed her by making me believe that she hates and envies me and gossips about me. I.e., she thinks I'm stupid, too tall, etc. It took a day to realize that she framed my friend just for her to say that to my face, and fortunately my friend understood how awful she was. This episode made me relive the same anger and confusion that I felt. I would give it a nay if it wasn't for Courtney being loyal to Ginger. 
Uh, we have a comment from TV Mania who says, The incident in this episode actually does get brought up in a past couple of times in the episode The Easter Ham, which I believe is the next episode, but that only makes it more frustrating as they didn't follow it through. What's even worse is that in the next episode, Dodie's negative traits flare up pretty badly, which is even more outrageous than usual considering that she was somehow forgiven for her actions in this episode. Yes, um, for everybody who pointed that out, um, yes, thank you so much for stating that there was a throwaway line in the Easter hand, but I have to agree with TV Mania, it wasn't enough. It really wasn't enough. Our next comment comes from Whisper in the Abyss, who says, So, I didn't hate this episode. It had good suspense to it, and showed something of an insight that happens in middle to high school students. I've seen early teenagers engage in a conspiracy like plots to break up couples and friendships that get tested and broken. Macy was never much of a leader, so I can see her giving into peer pressure for at least once in her life. It's a decent reflection on teenage life, but I gotta admit it did seem strange that Ginger forgave them so easily. It seemed very much like something is missing, or the creators left it up to the audience's imagination on how the resolution came to be, if true, um, that would be a major cop-out. Oh yeah, uh, that is true, Whisper in the Abyss. We still don't know to this very day about what the results were for the conclusion to Wicked Game. Now, if it was what you said uh, in the second option about it leaving up to the interpretation of the audience, man, that is a terrible, terrible way to do it because it, it doesn't leave any... It just leaves more questions than answers. And I don't think the audience wants to go into details on that. Now, the series finale is a completely different story because we're shown in a, in a more positive note. I'm not going to get into it for those who haven't seen it. And then you can be able to, you know, think about what you would think happened. But in this case, no, there has to be an answer. And I'm hoping that someday in the future, we will get an answer to that question. Uh, we have another comment from HeartLover1717, who says, Dodie and Macy learned that Ginger and Darren were an item at the end of the last episode. Why the surprise at the changed group dynamic? You'd think they'd be happy for Ginger. I suppose Ginger could have reached out with a, Listen, girls, Darren's a part of my life now, but this won't change the fact that we're BFFs. Yes, Macy usually has it together, but she's a follower, and thus cut up with the scheming. As we agree, Dodie sucks as the friend. In my honest opinion, Courtney is the best of friends to Ginger, at least in this episode. I remember first seeing this episode and searching for the other copies online. I was sure closing remarks by Ginger were cut off somehow. Perhaps they handed it off camera and agreed to never speak of this. Not as satisfying, I realize. The, uh, Polly the Bird Girl? Noelle, what were you thinking? Carl must have really cared for you to tolerate that argument. And also, Mipsy flossing in public? Ew. Yeah, I, I do agree. Mipsy flossing in public is pretty gross. Uh, we have a comment from Zalatria012, who says, I really don't understand why there was never a wrap-up to this episode. Usually, as told by Ginger, is pretty good with continuity, and yet all we get is a reference to the um, to this episode in a future episode, but there was never a conclusion to how everything was resolved. This episode wouldn't have been as bad if there was a follow-up. When I first saw this, I thought I was missing an episode, touching on the ending, but I was left so confused that there never was one. Now, while it is true that there was um, a similar situation in Summer of Camp Caprice, where Carl had um, 
uh, found out who the dog napper was, but the dog napper escaped. And apparently, Carl caught the dog napper and found all the dogs off screen. And then it was referenced in the season two episode, Never Can Say Goodbye. So at least it has happened before. But in this case, yeah, there really needed to be a follow-up. We have a really long in-depth comment from the We're In Between forums by our good buddy DJ, aka No Parking Barry, who says, Hello, Wicked Game. We meet again. Get ready, folks. This is going to be a long one. So, it has been three years since I first discovered how stressful this atrocity of an episode is, and two years since I've done my own two-part review on YouTube. After forcing myself to re-watch both the episode and my review, I'll say that for the most part, my views on Wicked Game has not changed. Sure, it may not get me as passionately triggered as before, but it does remain that the episode of Is Told by Ginger that I dread the most. That is, until I rewatch certain other bad season 3 episodes that uh, to see if they may outdo it. God, I can go on and on about how Dodie was at her worst here. In addition to taking part in the plan to break up Ginger and Darren, she just sports out this hatred for Darren without having it conscious in her egg-shaped head that even though those two were dating, Ginger and Darren were still going to be best friends, so why should she worry? Heh, I just unintentionally made an Oliver and Company reference just now. Oh, I get it. Why should I worry? Okay, <laughs> good one. Also, you're just gonna laugh about how she yells at how Darren's got another thing coming, then acts in denial like, I don't want to betray Ginger, but oh please, you know you want to. Quit acting like you're the victim of Miranda and Mipsy's manipulation when you yourself said that you want to get rid of Darren, one of your best friends. Overall, regarding this sack of dog feces, she still grinds my gears. As I already joked on Twitter, she needs to take lessons from General Scar from Evil Concarne and how to be a backstabber who's actually likable. Now I know this may sound like an apples-to-oranges comparison considering that Dodie's just an ordinary teen who's still learning, while well, Scar's supposed to be evil, but whatever. Scar is just as delightful to watch, unlike that damn mouthbreaker Bishop. Now we can move on to Macy. Why Macy? You can have such a you can have a stronger spine than Ginger sometimes, as proven in episodes such as Comeback Little Seal Girl. You have a better conscience than Dodie. Why did you have to stoop this low? Though I will give it this: unlike Dodie, at least you are actually capable of being sorry. Therefore, you are still one of my favorite characters. Courtney is easily the best thing about this episode. She's always charming, and I strongly applaud her for not only helping Ginger be aware of this scandalous activity, but admitting that she's Ginger's only true friend in the world. Too bad that statement wasn't hammered into Ginger's skull. Look, I can get that Ginger's a kind girl and all, but considering her two friends teamed up with her two enemies to ruin something that makes her happy, is that something really worth forgiving in an instant? I don't think so. I never really cared too much about Carl and Noelle's plot in this episode, and I still don't feel passionate enough to comment on it. Although that one picture of Polly feeding Carl bird food into his mouth was sick. Final thoughts, while I still hate Wicked Game for how crappy Dodie and Macy were, I will at least give some points for trying to present the subject of betrayal. 
it's something to expect in life. Also, if had it been given a proper resolution for how Ginger, Dodie, and Macy's sort of friendship remained unbroken, it would have been slightly more forgiven. But as it stands, Wicked Game obviously deserves the biggest nay I could give to an As Told by Ginger episode for how angry it made me. Any bad episode of Spongebob is more tolerable than Wicked Game and other terrible As Told by Ginger episodes, and I'm not joking. As I said multiple times in the past, screw you, Dodie Bishop, to the burning pits of Hades. Good luck on the quote-unquote continuation of the story, the Easter Ham. And uh, he also left uh, links to his uh, two-parter review of Wicked Game if you're interested in checking that out. Uh, I'm gonna, just going to read one more comment from this because, my God, I can stay here forever. So we're going to read off from Pocketbook uh, back on the YouTube channel. And uh, he says, Well, 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 this is an interesting specimen now, is it? We got quite the doozy of an episode today, so let's talk about Wicked Game. First, I agree with Patricia on how out of character everybody is. First, Dodie is pretty selfish in this episode, even for her standards. Is she honestly that paranoid that she believes Ginger's now boyfriend-girlfriend status with Darren is gonna get between their friendship? How would that... And why doesn't Ginger talk to Dodie and Macy more? Considering she spent a few months at a boarding school, you would think that she would have a lot of stories to tell to her two BFFs. This seems pretty contrived to me. I feel like this is only done to make Dodie and Macy feel excluded. And even then, they should feel that they shouldn't feel that paranoid about Darren getting between them. Secondly, why does Dodie even listen to Miranda and Mipsy about their plan? I mean, hello, these were the two same girls who almost made Ginger stay at Avalanche Arts Academy forever. Oh yeah, you almost made me lose my BFF, but sure, I'll listen to you. I can't help but feel that Miranda and Mipsy wanted not to just break up Ginger and Darren, but also made her lose her two best friends from this. And why does Dodie even believe that breaking up with Ginger and Darren will restore her friendship with Ginger? It's not even broken. If anything, doing this will even will only break it apart. I also agree with Patricia that this idea wasn't fully thought through. Everyone in this episode was only thinking about their own wants and needs. All Ginger could think about was her time with Darren. All Dodie could think about was her strained friendship with Ginger. All Noelle could think about was betting Carl. And yes, everything building up from this point off onward was completely shattered in this episode. And out of character, Macy is back. And as you guys said, the events of Wicked Game are never mentioned again, except with a quit line by Courtney in the episode The Easter Ham. I have a strong feeling that there was meant to be a follow-up to this episode, or maybe the series was supposed to go in a different direction with Ginger never speaking to Dodie and Macy again, but maybe due to network intervention or something, they decided no. Dodie and Macy had to stay friends for the rest of the show. If we ever get Ke Emily Kapnick on the podcast, maybe we can ask her about this episode and get to the bottom of it. I probably would have been kinder to this episode if everything brought up here wasn't just thrown away, but nope, it was. So yeah, everyone was out of character, the story wasn't fully thought through, and everything done in this episode was completely forgotten from this point onward, aside from one small line of dialogue. I will give this episode a backwards yan. I think that that's pretty much enough with Wicked Game. So let's go over to our next episode, which is the Easter Ham. And I guess for a lot of people, they cannot think of the Easter Ham without thinking about Wicked Game. And yeah, it's pretty apparent here. Okay, so let's start things off with a comment from Nasaya Lucero, who says, I give this episode a meh. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't that good. The only nice thing was the party and the part where Ginger was sneaking Dodie out. 
I also would like to say that I am not completely mad about not flowing from the last one because I already knew that it was going to happen. But I did come up with a theory. I think that they did have plans for an episode to conclude the cliffhanger, but for some reason the episode got thrown away or maybe never found the right way to end the storyline. I know this is a pretty big theory, but there is some evidence for this, uh, as you've seen with some of the characters talking about it. There's something there. Also, I don't completely forget about the episode since when Ginger talked to Courtney about what she was going to do. She was going to tell Dodie to strap in her back and she should do the same thing. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of theories about Wicked Game, and I'm sure that if we ever do get Emily Kapnick on this podcast, fingers crossed, we'll definitely ask her this question. Okay, so we have a comment from Melissa Barrett, who says, It's a shame that we didn't get to see the literal in-between part of these two episodes. It confused me so much at the time. I thought I missed an episode, and it was frustrating. Fingers crossed that Emily Kapnick will reveal why someday. Me too. However, I will give this episode some credit despite frustrations. Although it's if we missed an episode, there is tension in the Easter Ham episode. And it's addressing that something is off between the girls. They're not quite their usual selves. It is as, as if you can see that a blow-up happened in between the episodes. And they did eventually make up. But with a lot of healing for Ginger and awkwardness and gluing their friendship together. Dodie references awkwardly that they've been through a lot. The good and the bad. With Ginger responding just as awkwardly, don't remind me. Which is a direct reference to the previous episode. Also, wasn't Dodie's first line of the episode, it's fine, it's fine. There's a real sense of Dodie overcompensating, trying to be extra easygoing and supportive about Ginger waiting for Darren. But that passive-aggressive tone is still festering away because she's not happy with Darren coming into their BFF circle in this new way. However, because of what happened in Wicked Game, she feels like she can't openly get angry about it as she doesn't want to have another fallout between them to happen. It's like the three of them are tiptoeing around each other, trying to get things back to normal. Maisie's pretty quiet in this episode. She knows what she and Dodie did was wrong, and her approach to it is keeping everything muted and gentle and even polite, needing to remind Ginger that she's on her side, telling her she's glad that she decided to throw the party in the end and not canceling it for Dodie. Uh, part of the tiptoe healing process. So while Macy is working on being quietly supportive for Ginger, the contrast is Dodie being at her most abhorrent and horrible. So selfish to assume that Ginger should cancel a party that she's throwing for her boyfriend because she can't go. Not that now that she has a boyfriend, she doesn't care anymore. It's a complete melodramatic funk that she's got herself into, which has been brought up by the events of Wicked Game. Even telling Darren that she liked him better is paraphrasing. You say that Ginger doesn't care about the BFF, but what about you? You only care about yourself because you're missing a party. Applause. Well done, Darren. Lastly, Courtney mentions to Ginger that she shouldn't forget that Dodie stabbed her in the back. Another reference to Wicked Game. In teenage years, and to be honest, adult years too, some do feel incredibly threatened when a close friend gets a boyfriend or girlfriend. Some do and some don't. Dodie does partly because she's incredibly insecure and self-centered like her mother. Ginger in many ways is outgrowing her and she can't stand it. Macy, in contrast, is being a mature friend by accepting Ginger and Darren's relationship. 
relationship and supporting her choice to throw the party away. But again, all very quietly due to this healing process. My only irritation is Dodie not apologizing to Ginger at the end of her awful behavior in this episode. She should have done. Sorry for how lengthy this comment is. Don't worry about it, Melissa. Thank you so much for the wonderful comment. Really do appreciate it. We have another comment from Frosty who says, I'm mostly with Casey on this one. This episode is sort of fine. I like the Carlin Hoodsy plot and I like Brandon in this episode a lot. The Ginger Dodie bit is interesting and I like seeing their friendship strain from things beyond their control. It was a nice test on their relationship. However, as a follow-up to a really strong episode, this one just doesn't do it for me. It was disappointing, hollow, and uninteresting. And last but certainly not least, we'll be reading off the comments from episode 46, About Face. We don't have a lot of uh, comments to read compared to the other episodes, so don't worry, we're almost in the stretch. (laughs) Okay, we have our first comment from Magical Peach Internet, who says... I give this episode a yay. It explains what bug crawled up Joanne's backside and bit her. Especially, essentially a midlife crisis and yearning for the past slash nostalgia. Dodie growing a backbone as a person against the popular crowd and her mother for once. Ginger and Macy gets good scenes as supportive friends to Dodie. Mr. Bishop got some time in the plot since losing Nana Bishop and helped solve the problem. And Carl actually accepted Dr. Dave as a father figure. It's telling that he took Carl with him to the jewelry store, since it implies that Dr. Dave actually asked Carl's permission to marry Lois. Also, did no one find it weirdly creepy for a sub consistently following and interacting with the same group of girls during her sessions at Lucky Junior High? When she followed them into the student's girls' bathroom and Miranda's music lesson, I thought that she was doing too much and was becoming a stalker groupie. Good thing Dodie talked to her when she did. Dodie was right. Joanne Bishop is not fit to be around children. I think you hit the nail right on the head, Magical Peach Internet. All right, so we have our next comment from Core A, who says, Joanne is a spitting image of my mom. Just how much my mom wanted to be popular and very active in my high school, but her high school years were being part of the outcast crowd. I'm glad Emily decided to have a mother like Joanne in the show for some of us to relate to. Uh, th- thank you very much for your comment, Core A, in a very fascinating comparison to Joanne Bishop with your mom. Very awesome. Um, we have a simple comment from Iris Wicker who says, Thank you for uploading this on my birthday. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Iris, and, and we hope that you have a very happy birthday. Uh, we have a, another comment from HeartLover1717 who says, So Mr. Bishop tells Dodie and Hoodsy about their mother was obsessed with the cool crowd and being popular, and that sometimes she did things that weren't so nice. Hoodsy says, Like what, Dad? He answers, That's not important. Well, then why did you mention it? Tell us all, Mr. Bishop, tell us all. How funny he tells them, let your mother's lunacy be a lesson to you. I'm wondering this, just who is the popular crowd billing for this house call and travel time? Did you notice how Dodie knew each and every one of their names? It seemed Dodie had some type of breakthrough. Too bad that it didn't last. 
<laughs> well, I mean, as mentioned in the episode, um, The Sleep On It, Dodie did know everything about each popular girl, so much as having index cards discussing about them in full detail. So, yeah, it has been pretty consistent that Dodie would know every single aspect about every popular girl in Lucky Junior High. Uh, let's continue on with another simple comment from that Miss Quinn who says, I love Mr. Bishop. He needed more screen time during the show. Also, I felt, I've always felt this episode confirms Blake full-on crush, uh, boy crush on Carl. Dr. Dave and Lois forever. Aw, that's so sweet. And uh, we're going to be reading off our final comment from No Parking Barry, who says, Oh my god, thank you, Casey. About Face is my favorite Dodie-centric episode, too. It's refreshing to see Dodie get a taste of her own desired medicine when Joanne comes to her school as a big attention whore. While I still can't ca stand Dodie overall, as she'll resume being a major pain in the ass later in the season, I appreciate this episode for at least acknowledging her need to be popular as a flaw that must be dropped before it makes things worse for her and everyone around her. In other words, it's of lice and friends done way better. There was one scene I'm a little disappointed that you missed out on when, while writing in her journal, Ginger says that she's worried about the idea of Dodie turning into a backstabbing, so Social climbing, popularity obsessed wannabe like Josie. Um, Earth to Ginger Foutley, don't you remember what Dodie did to you literally two episodes ago? And what about what happened during the lice outbreak? Are you seriously telling me that you're more blind than Ray, than Ray Charles ever was? Dodie already is like Josie. To quote Hector Concarne, open your eye, man, you're being stupid. Get rid of her before it's too late. So, sorry about that. That part was a real brain buster. So have fun with Butterflies Are Free. Um, I know that Patricia would give it a super duper yay. And I think that's where we're going to end things off with our comments. So everybody, thank you so much for all of your wonderful comments. I'm sure we could have continued reading off this stuff forever. But we're already reaching the halfway mark. And we need to continue on with the show. Yeah, that basically concludes the comments from the first half of season three. So tune in next month as we're going to be reading off your comments from the first part of the second half of of season three and I'm sure you guys have a lot to say about it so without further ado enjoy the rest of the podcast uh, if you're wondering, I'm alone for this week. Uh, Casey wasn't able to join. He's very busy with work, but we do have a very special guest with us. So uh, back in 2002, uh, this particular guest has uh, made an appearance in the third TV movie. And thanks to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and she requested that she wanted to be in an episode of As Told by Ginger, uh, we have uh, Leandra. So welcome, Leandra. Hi, nice to be here. So, yes, uh, so right before we discuss about uh, the episode, so please uh, tell us um, tell us the beginning. Tell us of how it all happened. Oh, okay. So, wow. All right. So this was about half a lifetime ago. I had been diagnosed with this really rare bone marrow disorder that was kind of turning into leukemia. Of course, the first thing I did as an 11-year-old was go to makeawish.com get my free wish because that's what every you know dying 11 year old does they go and they get their free wish for make a wish being on as told by ginger was not actually my first choice for a wish my first choice for a wish was to be on snl he said they couldn't do it because i was 11. <laughs> um and then my second choice was to be on all that but then all that got canceled so 
as told by Junior was my third choice. Definitely do not regret it. I love the show. Um, it was awesome being on As Told by Ginger. It got to meet a lot of really cool. Um, I mean, Lorraine Newman was on SNL, and I got to meet like Chris Summer, Kat Sissy, and Tress McNeil, all of whom are super, super awesome voice actors. Um, I'm sure you guys know if you're listening to this podcast. And yeah, so it actually ended up being kind of delayed because although I made the wish when I was 11, you know, I went through a year of treatment, I had to recover and everything. So it wasn't until I was actually about 13 or 14 that I went and recorded the episode in, um, in LA. And let's see, what else? Um, yeah, no, and it was great because I was the same age as Ginger and it was really awesome. And I guess that's kind of the backstory. So yeah, um, we'll definitely discuss more about yeah. um, Leandra for our bonus podcast. So yes, uh, the episode, I mean, the TV movie debuted on June 13th, 2004. It was written by Erica Samiro and Emily Kapnick. In this, epi- in this TV movie, Ginger and her friends are graduating junior high school, and Ginger is asked to give the speech at graduation. She has trouble writing one, however, because it seems like she and her friends are being pulled in all different directions. Macy's new bandmate has her eye on her, Darren gets involved in football, and, jo- and Dodie with cheerleading. Meanwhile, Carl and Hoodsy and their classmates are graduating elementary school as well, and it comes up that Polly Schuster trick pulling into into pulling um, Carl's petrified eyeball, Blake's tonsils, and Mr. Licorice's tooth into a time capsule. All right, so let's get things started. So the episode begins with a dream. Ginger is in the yeah. um, is in the classroom and she's imagining uh, Dodie, Macy, and Darren walking away, and it then pulls up into her waking up, and she is a little bit nervous about her graduating from middle school and entering into high school. And I think for all of us, I think we've all shared the same sentiment about moving on to the next big step in your life. Definitely. Now, this particular TV movie, this came out at least a month after I graduated from high school and I was entering into college. So I kind of felt the same sentiments because I've gone through rough, um, I went through a rough time in high school. I went to three different high schools because I moved and the high schools that I was in, it just was not, I, I didn't enjoy myself. But I stuck with it and then eventually I was hoping that college would be good but then I was still nervous because what if college was going to be the next was going to be like um uh you know like a big challenge for me that I couldn't accept so I was going through the same nerves as Ginger was when she was talking about how she didn't want anything to change and how she wanted things to stay the same so um how, did you kind of feel a similar thing when you were going through something similar Leandra whether it be like graduating from either to high school or to college oh yeah definitely and I noticed a lot of in general just themes about change and um dealing with letting go in this particular episode that to be honest i hadn't noticed when i initially did it as an 11 year old so looking back i feel like it has a lot of meaning for me and um it did come out around the same time that i was personally going from middle school to high school so yeah that was a big transition for me as well yeah so um, now we're now going into Carl and um, Hoodsy's plot. So uh, Carl and Hoodsy are being prepared to go into Blake's limousine to trade off their items. So this is uh, these are items that have been featured numerous times throughout the series, and now they're getting it back for the first time in a long time. So Blake has Carl's petrified eyeball that he traded away from, and she was gone because he thought that he made Noel Sussman disappear. 
Um, Blake, um, Carl and Hoodsey have Blake's tonsils because they got it from the um, from the episode Dare I Darren when they couldn't borrow Blake's telescope for their science project. Um, Carl has um, Mr. Licorice's monkey tooth necklace from the episode um, Gym Class Confidential when they traded the bubble gum for the tooth. And then finally we have um, Brandon holding a picture of him and Hoodsy hanging out together from the episode Deja Who in which Hoodsy had amnesia and then, then they were hanging out with one another at a time in which he and Brandon were friends and he and, and he wanted nothing to do with Carl. Mm-hmm. So they traded their items, they feel really happy that they got it back, and then they are told by their teacher that they're going to be doing a time capsule about putting away childish things and moving on towards middle school. And then, of course, we have Polly back. Uh, Polly, who was featured in the episode Wicked Game, and who was featured again in the episode About Face. And then they're discussing about that she convinces them, okay, you need to put the petrified eyeball into the time capsule, otherwise you're not going to grow up. And it's, I mean, I don't know about you, I never really liked Polly in the show. I always felt like she was trying to be like weird and quirky like Noelle, but just didn't pull it off the way that Noelle did. I agree. Polly was a very weird character, but I have to say, in this episode in particular, there are a lot of bird jokes. Yeah, that's a thing with Polly. Polly does a lot of bird puns. It doesn't help that her name is Polly, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. and she's fox, and she was like laying the golf eggs. But another thing is when the particular teacher tells um, Carl and Hoodsy and all of them that they need to do this time capsule thing. They make a Charlie Parker joke, and he's playing this jazz, and Charlie Parker's jazz nickname was Bird. So they make a Bird joke then, too, and I thought that was really funny. That's actually pretty clever. I never knew that. I'm sure Casey would have brought it up because he's a music director, but yeah, I'm sure maybe... Oh, but yeah. That's around, like, seven minutes, that, like, when they initially talked about the time capsule, and I was like, I'm a big jazz nerd, so I love that. Oh, that's fantastic. So yeah, I never knew that. That's awesome. So you learn something new every day. So going back into the Ginger plot, so Ginger, um, Dodie, Macy, and Darren are going over to the assembly, and they're listening about how you know high school is the next step, and they're gonna, um, they're going to, um, you know, become different people. They're gonna turn into adults, and Ginger is kind of a little bit nervous about it. Dodie and Macy are really excited. And it doesn't help much that Mizorski tells Ginger that she has to give the speech for the graduation. And she has to be the one to, in, you know, be enthusiastic, letting them know that it's they're saying goodbye to the past and they're moving on to the future. Which we see throughout this entire episode, I mean, this entire movie, that she is the complete opposite. That she wants to hold on to things because she doesn't want to let go. Uh-huh. So, oh, yeah. So now, uh, it doesn't get any better with uh, Ginger because they're being told that now they have to go to different classes, that they're being separated and they're not even going to meet up with one another, except with the exception of lunch. And now they have um, different activities that they want to join. Like Macy wants to join up with band, which is consistent because she has been in band throughout the various amounts of episodes. Um, Dodie wants to be cheerleader, which, of course, this is Dodie. It's not surprising. Yeah. And then we have Darren, who has been eyeing the football team, which 
um, this would definitely be like the starting point for J Darren's major change that will happen in the second half of season three. Which, uh, you know, he, yeah, exactly. So this, uh, we're not going to go into it, but yeah, this is definitely that one point in which Darren has, you know, his everything about him completely changes on, which, um, you know, for a lot of people, they're really mixed about. They they think that this change is actually pretty natural, while others think that he, that it's not necessary that he turns into a complete jerk. Yeah, he, he's definitely, you know, a far cry from the guy with the headgear that he was, you know, earlier in the that's for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think out of all the characters, Darren definitely went through the most changes throughout the show. Because, I mean, you, I mean, you would have never expected that Darren would become the character that he eventually became in the last episode of the show. Which, that's a great thing I, I've always talked about with As Told by Ginger, about how the characters change and grow throughout the show. And it's apparent when Ginger is um, emptying out her stuff from her locker, and she sees a picture of her and Ian, and she says, Wow. That was so long ago, and it's like, wow, they actually acknowledged the fact that Ginger and Ian hadn't become a thing since season one. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that ties back into, like, this whole change theme and, you know, getting rid of old things. Yes. That's going on throughout the whole episode. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I think that now we can definitely talk about your um, uh, your um, your scene. So when Dodie is talking about that she wants to join in on the um, on the um, the cheerleading, she is really enthusiastic and she's cheering, and they they're not convinced. And so then you show up and you basically give Dodie the pep talk of the century. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Um, well, I mean, I didn't try. You know, those lines were written for me. But yeah, do you, do you remember? I, uh, do you remember the lines? Oh yeah, I mean, I just watched the episode, so it was something like we moved mountains just by keeping something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's certainly very fitting for you know, a young girl who's just survived cancer. Absolutely. Um, so I, I need to ask. I mean, was that your actual depiction, or did they change it up a bit? Okay, so I, I feel like I have to address the cornrows because obviously I'm a pretty white girl. Like, I'm not, you know, a person of color or anything. So, the cornrows, let's talk about that. Yes, uh, please. My hair was growing back from chemo, and my hair actually looked a lot like Ginger's at the time. It was just a little mess of red curls. And so, Kyla, one of the first things I wanted to do to celebrate my hair coming back was actually, like, do something with it braided for my 12th birthday so that's kind of where that came from um let's see what else can i tell you about that character like the depiction the necklace oh you guys you'll like this so that necklace was um i requested that to be animated that was a really special talisman kind of thing which i guess is another that that's a really interesting thing for me because that ties into kind of my adolescence i wore that necklace all the time from when I was 11 to when I was about 14 and it meant a lot to me because I took it with me throughout my treatments and throughout middle school so it's like a little circle and then there's kind of a little um hanging thing from it so the circle had my zodiac sign on it which is Taurus and then the little hanging thing is actually oddly um some kind of fertility goddess or something mm -hmm. but I was into it it was like my protective talisman so that um yeah so the depiction in general yeah was very much um i do have like reddish brown hair and 
Uh, and anything, and what about the bracelet? Was it a medical bracelet or was it just like a decorative bracelet? Oh, the bracelet! Oh my gosh, yeah, I did wear a bracelet. Oh my gosh, I feel like I need to go back and look at this, but I remember off the top of my head, did it have a blue bead on it? I think you did, yes. Yeah, okay, so the blue bead, so I'm Greek. I'm 100% Greek, and the blue bead is um, the evil eye, like, talisman. So that's another thing, you know, my family, all the women in my family are very like superstitious. And of course, you know, when I got, you know, sick, they were like, oh my gosh, someone put the evil eye hex on you. You have to wear this Mati now. And I mean, whenever someone gets diagnosed with, you know, a, a disorder and maybe not at, at whenever anyone gets diagnosed with a disorder, but at the very least, definitely for me, my family was like, all right, you're going to, you know, get traditional treatment, but let's make sure we have all our bases covered. And you're also going to wear this like evil eyebrows. So that's a bit of the story behind that. Um, that was another thing I was wearing pretty regularly as well. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I don't think we need to talk to I mean, unless the clothes have any significance. I don't think that um, I don't think there's anything that particularly stands out. I think the only thing particularly for me that uh, I want to talk about the last thing is that you're the only character in the series who actually has their mouth in the right position. Oh, I do? Yeah, you're, you're, because if you I mean, Klasky Chupo is known for having a particular style in which like their mouths are like around where their chin is supposed to be. But your mouth is actually like where it's supposed to be under the nose. So that's awesome. So congratulations. That's really interesting because like maybe, you know, one possible reason is at first they made my nose a little bit bigger and I was like, can you make my nose a little bit smaller? <laughs> so maybe that's why. Probably. That I wouldn't be surprised. Be, no, uh, I, I, I don't know. For some reason, a lot of a lot of Klasky Chupo characters have big noses. That makes sense, yeah, no, and yeah, there's that, and I'm thinking of, like, Eliza Thornberry right now, because she definitely has, like, the mouth by the chin kind of thing going on as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, okay. Aha, uh -huh. I never noticed that. That's really cool. That is actually really awesome. All right, so going into the other characters, so we also uh, going into Courtney now. So this is like where uh, uh, this is like the part of the show for a lot of fans. They real that they notice that Courtney gets the shaft a lot of the times, especially like throughout the second half of season three. It doesn't go very well in which you know she gets trapped in the locker and nobody can get her out. And then eventually she does get rescued by one of the band members named Andrew, who has a lazy eye. And she makes a promise to him that she that you know she's gonna hook him up with um, with whoever <laughs> is in her grade, and uh, yeah, this is actually pretty subtle that you know it's not gonna get any better for Courtney. So, yeah, sorry. I like actually. I gotta say, I like that there's kind of this weird like role reversal with Ginger's crew and Courtney and Miranda because they kind of end up seeming the underdogs in this episode. And you know, meanwhile, Ginger's gonna be on you know the student council, and Darren's gonna be a football star, and all this stuff. And meanwhile, you know, Courtney's shut in the locker, and Miranda's trying out for band. Yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of quirky and fun. Yeah, it is actually quirky and fun. It it, it, it felt like they were trying to, um, you know, fulfill the same roles that they filled out in middle school, and, and it does make a lot of sense for Ginger to sign up for student council because she did do that in the episode "Sibling Revelry," in which she started off the Big Brother Big Sister program. So I guess she wanted to have another, um, you know, she wanted to have another chance with that. So because the, you know the first chance it pretty much ended up being a failure so uh, she's hoping that maybe this time around it would be really good for her to give it another shot 
So, yeah, um, to going into Carl and Hoodsy's plot again, so they're, uh, Carl is acting a lot more calmer. He's behaving himself. He's, you know, he's gotten rid of all of his gross stuff, and he's acting more like a mature kid. And, it's, and everybody's, like, really shocked by it. But deep down, Carl is, like, really suppressing his inner childhood. And... Um, we get that um, we get an amazing um, dream from Carl where he imagines himself getting older and older and this is actually a, a reference to Twin Peaks and we spoke to the storyboard artist who worked on that um, uh, on that scene Darren McGowan uh, he was the one who came up with the idea of doing a Twin oh, Peaks reference for that's that. so cool yeah, yeah and so the characters are growing they're gradually growing older and older you know it's a reference to the red room in twin peaks uh makes a lot of sense because um darren said that around the time that they were doing that um uh, tv movie the dvd of twin peaks came out so he was kind of influenced for doing that uh, and, okay. and it's, it's kind of funny now that like almost what like almost like over like almost 13 years later now we have like the the reboot or something yeah wow that's so funny i never knew that that's awesome yeah so um continuing on so um so so carlin so carl does have the dream and he starts waking up and he's kind of shaking and he changes his mind and he you know digs up for the petrified eyeball and everybody changes their mind and they want to get their items too and then noelle comes along and she realizes that carl is starting to hang out more with Polly because in the episode um what was it again? Um, oh yeah, that's right. In the episode Wicked Game, uh, Blake took pictures of Polly and Carl together, and he showed it to Noel, and that's when Noel thinks that oh, he and Polly are now in a relationship as opposed to us, and so she becomes like really sad and disappointed, and so she, you know, gives Carl the doll that she made of him with her, and gives it away with her telekinetic powers, and she goes away. And this is the last time that we will see Noel until the last episode because she's so heartbroken that Carl would betray her like that. Yeah, she lets go of like the little doll that she has of Carl and. Did you notice the E.T. reference? Yes, I did. Right before we discuss about, uh, so yeah, right before we go into the graduation, there's one more thing I want to bring up, and that's uh, when Ginger meets up with her dad, whom we haven't seen since uh, losing Nana Bishop. And we know that, you know, Ginger's dad is pretty much, um, you know, is pretty much a strain from the family. He doesn't really show up in season one or in season two as much, but then in season three is when we see him a lot more. And he probably gives off his best advice to Ginger than he ever has in the entire series when Ginger is really scared and frightened about graduating. And then she, he gives that wonderful metaphor about butterflies, which I thought was really touching and very fitting. Yeah, that was like a nice part. Yeah, and it's usually Lois who's the one who gives the advice to Ginger, but Lois is focusing on, you know, losing weight so that she can be able to get yeah. ready for the wedding, uh, which, you know, we talked about in last week's episode when Dr. Dave proposed to her. So um, now we see the results, and Lois actually does lose enough weight so she can actually um, fit into the wedding dress that she... Um, you know so she can be ready for the wedding and it's just a shock to me that this is like one of the when i first saw this scene i was completely shocked it's like wow you know the, the, it's like i knew about characters changing and growing but i i mean it's like oh man it's like even the adults can do it as as well it's so crazy <laughs> yeah totally um yeah i thought and i thought that was interesting she was like it, to me it was like very like 
90s dieting advice like i'm gonna eat these low fat you know dietetic cookies so i i thought i thought that whole storyline you know lois's dieting adventure that was kind of cute yeah it was pretty cute and nowadays we know that those kind of cookies have just as much sugar if not more right. and if you starve yourself it actually triggers your body saying you know i'm hungry and it releases more of your fat cells so i mean if you want to go for old-fashioned dieting like that i mean work for lois absolutely but i think there's yeah. a much more healthier way to do it now she's trying she's trying absolutely yes yeah, she is trying all right, so I guess we can start wrapping things up. So now we have the graduation, and um, Ginger is making the friendship bracelets for Dodie and Macy. And Macy has this amazing makeover look. I love oh the, my God. I yes. love the cola number five hairdo, and the and right. the, the fact that she doesn't wear glasses. I wish she would have stayed like this throughout the series. <laughs> yeah, but on one hand, you know. She's awesome the way she is. Does she really need to conform to like European beauty norms to be able to fit in in high school? I don't know. I think she should be herself. Yeah, and I guess she does because in the next episode, boy liked her when she was herself. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I mean, throughout the episode, Andrew did have a crush on Macy, and you know, he he accepted Macy the way that she looked. So I guess Macy, you know, in the next episode, Macy, um, you know, ditches the 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 hair and she, uh, you know, the the dye, and she does well. Actually, there's a slight change in the girls' out, um, you know, the way that they look, which we'll discuss about next week. But yeah, it's nice to see Macy actually looking completely different because it's something that we've never seen before. Yeah, that's true. And funny thing, I think didn't they do a similar thing with Eliza? I think Thornberry? maybe they did. I think that maybe they did change Eliza's look a little bit. I think I think that um, like in the later seasons, they gave her like instead of her with the pigtails, I think they gave her braids. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I I, I do remember that there uh, when Eric Casimiro was um, in, in our podcast. I think I do recall that there was talks about that they wanted to make Eliza more pretty, like in the later seasons. And then they pretty much said, "No, I want Eliza to stay the same because it shows that you know not every girl has to be forced to be pretty." And I guess they made a slight compromise with Eliza, you know, changing her hairstyle with the braids as opposed to the pigtails. And I think that's something they were exploring generally at Class Kichupo, like, for the animation studios, and they showed me, like, the Eliza and then the ones of Ginger at the art fellowship thing that she was doing when she had the blue streak in her hair and her hair was straightened. So I, I feel like they were attuned to that kind of, oh, you know, our demographic, the people who are watching this are growing up, so we kind of need to adjust these characters a little bit to make them you know, experiment with their looks a little bit. So I, I like that they made that effort to try and do that. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I guess we can start uh, wrapping things up. So I, I just love the fact that, um, you know, Dodie went through like a, a Brady Bunch moment in which she, her nose gets hit with the football. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a great connection. Yeah, it's like, oh, Marsha, she gets her head, you know, she gets um she gets like a nosebleed and you know, her her nose starts a little inflating a little bit. And then Darren and Ginger approach each other and they said that they're gonna try to work things out with uh, their relationship because they were kind of like 
struggling to see if maybe they can be able to make it work with Darren joining the football team and with Ginger joining the student council. So, yeah, um, once again, it's definitely a foreshadowing for what will happen later on, and it's not going to be good. Okay, so, well, let's conclude it, and we're going to be discussing about the speech, which definitely is one of the best moments in the entire series, when Ginger gives that wonderful speech. Definitely very um, within character, and talking about butterflies, which she got from her dad, and you see the people in the crowd, you see the parents, and you see uh, Macy's parents, uh, once again, from the episode um, Family Therapy, you see uh, Ginger's dad in the, in the, um, in the audience, and... Uh, and Ginger's talking about how we're all butterflies and that we should um, let ourselves become free. Then she actually grabs a box of butterflies and they're all making their wishes. And the thing that really was a nice little touch was when they cut into clips of previous episodes. They cut into clips from uh, Ginger the Juvie. They did it for Trouble in Gal Pal Land. Um, they did it for Kiss and Makeup. And they did it for um, uh, Far From Home or Fat Leaves on Ice, depending on where you live so yeah it was basically like oh and and summer of camp caprice or season of caprice so they actually do reference old episodes showing about how much the characters have changed throughout the series which is very appropriate and it's just a wonderful touch for a great episode yeah i agree i like that little montage at the end Okay, so I think that should be the end of our discussion of this TV movie. Leandra, at the end of every podcast, we always give a ranking of yay, nay, or meh, or super yay, or, um, you know, what have you. And since I know that this episode, um, you know, means a lot to you because you were in it, I assume that you're going to give it a yay at least. Oh, heck yeah. Um, Yeah, can I give it like a super yay? Absolutely. Episode, I can't not give it, you know, the highest ranking yeah, as for me, I do give it a super yay as well. And I and for those uh, who have followed me for a long time, uh, they probably already know this. But for those who are just tuning into uh, We're In Between, I'm just going to say this right now. This is my favorite episode of the entire series. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I've already mentioned this in my top 15 as told by Ginger's episodes list that I went through the same thing that Ginger went through. I went, I was graduating from high school and I was going to college and I felt the same things about, oh man, you know, I'm going to graduate. Uh, I'm, you know, am I ready for college? Am I going to... Am I going to make friends? Am I going to do well in my classes? So I felt the same thing. And eventually, like I I mentioned in that video, college was great. I I enjoyed myself over there. I've had a wonderful experience. I met up with a lot of friends. I, um, you know, I did well with my classes. So I'm really happy with my experience over there. And I also love the fact that it calls back into previous moments throughout the series and brings it together, which we we did discuss about in Far From Home. But here Mm -hmm. it's really apparent that they are taking the next step. It shows that the characters are growing up as opposed to like, you know, they're being going to be middle school forever or something like that. So like if you would see in other shows, it does show progression. It shows that time has passed. And, you know, not only is it, it's basically like this episode, I think, is um, just a culmination of everything that happened before. And now they're ready to move on with the future. Yeah, that's Seems like a good description. All right. So that's it, everybody. So, uh, Leandra, thank you so much for joining me on this discussion. Absolutely. 
So yeah, this coming Saturday, we will be having our bonus podcast where we will interview Leandra and we have all of your questions ready. Uh, Tune in next week as we're going to be discussing about episode 49. I hope to see you around soon and thank you for listening. Uh